0: Alright, well, welcome to episode 12 of Spam 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 Humbug, in which I guess we should maybe say a word or two about E3. That's right, E3 time has come and gone again. And there were actually some pretty neat things presented there, at, um, albeit, Sergon Dragon and I have this thing that we do every year, uh, actually, just before the first day showcase at E3, which is almost always when EA presents. Um, we each pick odds, essentially, that a new single-player Ultima game will be announced. Over the years, we've broadened the category a little bit. We're not, uh, we're not necessarily asking for a Bioware-level AAA cinematic experience. Um, we'd be totally fine with, you know, uh, if EA took a, a page for Ubisoft and had a smaller indie studio do a new Ultima title that aimed to check off all the classic features of the series that fans have been missing in games ever since. um... <clears throat> And the reason I mentioned Ubisoft in particular, if you'll recall a couple of years ago, they did exactly this with the Might and Magic series and Might and Magic 10, which was developed by Limbic Entertainment. Um, they definitely, you know, went for the old-school approach to the point that the game had gridded movement. Um, you know, like, it was not free-flowing movement at all. Um, the result was actually pretty great, all things considered, from what I understand.
1: Yeah, I certainly enjoyed it.
0: So, uh... EA, of course, continues to disappoint in this respect. And actually, to be fair, the general consensus seems to be that their presentation at E3 overall was a disappointment. Um wah, wah, yeah. wah, wah. Hey look, more sports titles.
1: We I, I get you know
0: though, I guess those do have a, a fairly big player base, and they make a lot of money off of them, so. But still. <clears throat> um That said, they did announce a couple of interesting things, and maybe talk about those in a little bit here. Um, Just a a thing for the show notes, I actually really enjoyed uh, the E3 coverage at a website called Lazy Gamer. I thought they did a pretty bang-up job of it, Um, so I think a lot of the links that I'm going to be dropping in the show notes will probably be from them. Um, They also have a pretty interesting photo gallery. So, um uh, did you catch any of E3 linguistic? Did you catch any, especially not while it was, Oh,
1: not while it was happening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those who usually, um, gets wind of things after the fact. So, um, most of, most of, uh, my exposure apart from, um, apart from, uh, Fallout four was basically what's in the show notes. I was catching up this evening and making sure I'm As up-to-date as I could possibly be, considering the circumstances.
0: Fair enough. Um, Did you have any... I I don't know. I mean, because of all the different podcasts I listen to, of course, you know, uh, some of the people... Some of them are gaming podcasts. You know, people before E3 were talking about their hopes going in. uh, And then, of course, afterwards, whether those hopes were vindicated or not. Um, (laughs) Did you have anything going in? that you were not okay.
1: particularly i hardly ever do considering that uh, my gaming rig is getting a little old at this point <laughs> and <laughs> anything that's announced now i probably won't be playing until several years from Fair now enough. um it's um but yeah it's it's um need to see what's uh upcoming at least see what's in the works
0: yeah um i'll confess i did have uh some hopes going in most of the people i listened to they seem to be really big on getting any news of the last guardian um sony game by team eco um and that happened so that was cool um <laughs> myself i was definitely i mean apart from you know the the, the faintest of faint hopes that ea will ever do something interesting with ultima again um <clears throat> <laughs> uh, i was happy to to see the mass effect trailer that was that was nice to actually finally see out there so
1: i figured you would be yeah
0: i you know what i greatly enjoyed that series i'm looking forward to the next one um we've already talked about how tibby's involved with it and that just makes it better to my mind but that's a plus. Yes, totally. But EA were not the first ones to present at E3. Uh, The first ones were actually Bethesda. This was actually their first E3. But you almost wouldn't know it from how well they uh, carried it off. There was that rumored, supposed gaffe, uh, whereby they accidentally, and uh, in the notes here I put that in quote marks, accidentally went live on twitch i'm not sure how you do that um during oopsie
1: (laughs) daisy oh would you look at that
0: during a rehearsal and inadvertent inadvertently outed that they were uh, apparently going to announce dishonored 2 during their show i'm sure that you know was in no way intentional and not uh at all you know there was absolutely no hope that it would create some big buzz uh, around what they were going to reveal but you know what, even if it was, it uh, it didn't hurt the official reveal of the game. Um, the dis- <laughs> the Dishonored series, uh, of course, is developed by Arcane Studios, who previously gave us arcs Fatalis, uh, which game was nearly called Ultima Underworld 3 at one point in time. Um, Harvey Smith, one of the studio heads, uh, is also a former Origin Systems guy. He was the QA lead on Ultima 8. Uh and as Mike McShaffrey tells the story, he was instrumental in the development and release of the massive patch for that game, which, among other things, corrected issues with the jumping mechanic. So we got a
1: Which needed it, badly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ain't nobody going to disagree with that. I always like McShaffrey's take on that, you know, it's just, it was probably a mistake to try and have a bunch of people who didn't enjoy playing platform games develop a platform game.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a disaster waiting to happen. It's a thing.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> so, he's like, we should have just, you know, the QA guy. They played the platform games all the time. They were telling us up and down what was wrong. We should have listened more. So, uh, Bethesda showed off a bunch of stuff, uh, including an amazing-looking and gory <laughs> preview of id Software's new Doom title. Uh, which I guess is, r- <laughs> uh, which I guess is running on the equally brand new id Tech 6 engine. So, um, the first post-Carmac Dune, Doom. <clears throat> so, uh, I don't know. I mean, it looked great. It was, you know, about as violent as you'd, you know, imagine from a modern take on Doom. Um, <clears throat> Bethesda even took a step into the mobile market with Fallout Shelter, uh, which is a bit of a different take on the city management game, uh, popular genre on mobile right now by all means. Um, At least as of earlier this week and last week, the game was evidently raking in more money, it is a free-to-play game, than Candy Crush Saga. So that's that's impressive. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, And actually apparently it's a really neat game. I haven't picked it up and played it yet. Uh, I actually bought uh it was time for me to, you know, get a new phone anyways, so I actually went Android this time around. Um, LG G Four, woo Android. Know, LG G Four, couldn't be happier. Actually, the camera is amazing. Love it. Um, <clears throat> so I'm kind of decommissioning my iPhone and turning it into more just a thing that kids can play games on. But um, from what I understand from people who have played it, it kind of falls into the same category as um, Nimblebit's Tiny Tower, for example. So you know you. Have your mountain and you're basically, which kind of in turn falls into the genre of Sim Tower, if you ever played that. Um,
1: Oh man, that's been a while. I know,
0: but it's a similar concept. You know, you have your mountain, you know, so that defines the boundaries, I guess, in which you can build. And then you're basically building different rooms, whether it's like, you know, a restaurant or a water treatment facility or a power plant or whatever. You're building different rooms, right? And then you get different people who want to come and dwell in your vault. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, there are male dwellers and female dwellers. And yes, if you put one of each in a room together, um, the the female dweller can end up getting pregnant. Um, so then you have another source of additional vault dwellers. You can also send people out on missions into the, uh, into the wasteland. Um, they don't always come back. To
1: go find water chips. Yes,
0: things like that. <laughs> they don't always come back. <clears throat> um, so... But yeah, evidently it's, uh, from what I hear, it's immensely enjoyable, has a ton of really interesting, you know, mechanics and a lot of strategies, and of course, being a follow game, lots of cheek and humor and just kind of weird takes on things, um, which of course has inevitably resulted in people developing all sorts of weird play styles. (coughs) Like, uh, you know, uh, the the all-male or the all-female vaults. Uh, or the, uh, you know, the almost all-male or almost all-female vaults, the sort of the harem concept in either direction.
1: Hey, vaults are supposed to be social <clears throat> experiments, aren't they? they?
0: Yeah, and this game just totally enables that uh, in every player. That's right, they were. Canonically, they were supposed to be different social experiments.
1: Exactly. That's right, I
0: remember that. <clears throat> um, so... You know, neat game and, you know, obviously very faithful in its own way to the Fallout concept. Um, But of course, the most interesting, the highlight, I think, of the Bethesda conference was easily Fallout 4, which looks like it's going to just be, you know, a vast and epic game set uh, in and around a post-apocalyptic Boston. Uh, Actually, I was talking with Iceblade from the Forgotten World team uh, a couple nights ago, and... He, you know, uh, was just giddy with some of the features, you know, because I mean, it's basically, you know, <clears throat> it's uh, it's des- you know f- designed to be a fully interactive world. You know, like pretty much anything can be picked up and manipulated and used for crafting. It's uh, a total open world experience um it's actually apparently like a really comprehensive um system for building shelters and structures and not just like one and not just the interior rooms of one but actually like multiple different structures apparently um and of course you know the part that he was most excited about was the fact that all of these systems will inevitably make it into the next elder scrolls game (laughs) <laughs> uh, which in turn will make that a uh, a very, very keen uh, contender for, you know, the, the modern crown of that Ultima gold standard of world interactivity. <clears throat> so, yeah, he was definitely looking forward to that. Um, and, as is often his wont, uh, Bethesda's Todd Howard, of course, uh, Name-dropped the Ultima series in a post-conference interview. Uh, Ultima has been a continual source of inspiration for the man in his career as a game designer. Um, so it's nice to think that there's some little kernel of Britannia to be found in RPG series like The Elder Scrolls and Fallout, which he more or less shepherds.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed the Ultima... Uh, of course I've enjoyed the Ultima series, so that's really? why I'm here. Oh, that's <laughs> pfft, shocked. But uh, I've I've enjoyed... I've enjoyed Elder Scrolls, um, ever since I picked up Morrowind. I didn't quite enjoy Oblivion quite as much, but Skyrim was great, um, uh, Fallout, I never, I haven't played any of the ones that Bethesda has released, um, partly because they feel really close to Oblivion, and I wasn't a huge fan of Oblivion, mm. but, uh, <laughs> but I will admit that, uh, Fallout 4, what I've seen thus far, is making me reconsider whether I should, uh, I should uh, give this one a whirl. It's um, it's looking good.
0: Well, and apparently too, from what I've heard, and this is more grapeviney stuff, but apparently too, like it actually may feature gameplay sequences in the pre-war uh, era, like within the series lore. So you might actually get to see yeah, little glimpses of the world um, before it all got nuked. Certainly, the trailer kind of implied that in its own roundabout yeah. way. Flashing, flashing back and forth as it did in time. So that'll be cool if, in fact, true. <clears throat> right.
1: There's a lot to be said for backstory.
0: Yes, definitely. All right. Well, moving on. EA. Um, someone on Twitter, and I couldn't find this tweet again. So, uh, but someone on Twitter, possibly one of the guys at Destructoid quipped that, uh, in the future, EA should probably consider splitting their E3 press conference into two separate conferences, EA Sports and everything else. <clears throat> I would maybe make an argument that, you know, mobile should also have its own thing, because they also often like to, anyways. <sighs> there were certainly a number of sports titles showcased during their conference this year, although I think the FIFA presentation, I missed it personally, but from what I gather, it wound up being the longest of these and the biggest drag. <laughs> pity because the fifa and en- like the tech behind the fifa game is actually really neat um a lot of it you know really a lot of study into like human body mechanics and things like that so much so that the guys who did like battlefield uh when they were building the latest iteration of the frostbite engine were really heavily reliant actually on the, the fifa tech team for wow for a lot of character movement stuff Anyways, E3 started their conference well enough, uh, showing off the trailer for Mass Effect Andromeda. This is the game that Ian Fraser, better known to Ultima fans as Tiberius or Tibby or Tiberius Moongazer, project director for Ultima 5 Lazarus. Uh, Uh, Yeah! He's been working on that as the lead designer for a few years now, uh, and it looks as though many, not all, but many of the rumors about the game's plot and setting are... Yes! True! Uh... (laughs) There was, for a while there, there was this rumor of something called Mass Effect, like Contact or something floating around, and a lot of people thought that it would be, you know, oh, well, the next game is totally going to be like a prequel, and it's going to tell the story of the first Contact War. I'm just like, no, that's really, we don't need to go there. This This isn't like, you know, oh yeah, Star Trek Enterprise should totally have, like, for the second season, gone right to the Romulan War, no, nothing like that. This is just, you know, that was a fine part of the story, and it was touched on enough during the first trilogy. They can do different, and I'm glad they are. Um, so, and I'll admit, I'm rather looking forward to returning to the Mass Effect universe in, uh, I guess, 2017. The The release date given in the trailer was holiday 2016, which probably means December. Uh, so, realistically, I probably won't get around to playing it until after New Year's. But... <laughs> And, of course...
1: Unfortunately, that'd probably be even longer for me, because I haven't (laughs) made it through most of the Mass Effect trilogy as is, so...
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I've I've played it through multiple times. I I greatly enjoy coming back to it, especially the first one. Um, But uh, my favorite tweet, I think, of the entire E3 first day, though, uh, was by Ro, so at RoTendo five seconds of Mass Effect Andromeda and ten straight minutes of Plants vs. Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I quote... That sounds, that yeah. sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was. It was a very brief trailer for Mass Effect. A little longer than five seconds, but not by much. And then quite a lot of Plants vs. Zombies. Um, I was at work when all this was going down. Surgorn was watching it over in France and then just pinging me on Google Plus uh, as, <laughs> as it... Uh, as things happened. So, he, he had his own frustrations. He was.
1: The benefits of having friends in other time zones. It
0: helps. Uh, and other, you know, his job definitely keeps a different schedule than mine does. So, also advantageous. But, um, <laughs> they could have probably shown more. I, I mean, I would have liked to have seen more. In a perfect world, it would have been a 30-second Plants vs. Zombies trailer and 15 minutes of Mass Effect. But!
1: <laughs> maybe Sadly, this is not a perfect world. No,
0: maybe next year. Um, one of the other Mass Effect-related questions, though, circulating at E3 was this question of whether there would be a remastered edition of the earlier Mass Effect games released at some point. Um, especially with respect to the first game in the series. You know, 2 and 3 are more similar. Um... In in this respect, EA evidently has considered the possibility, uh, but their focus seems to be on producing new content for the time being, so uh, we should none of us expect to see Mass Effect, or for that matter, any other EA IP, uh, redone with a modern look and engine anytime soon. Pity. Ah,
1: there goes hopes of a modern Ultima 3.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, you know... (laughs) Mobile port, I don't know, something. Uh, Other sundry bits. Um, Knights of the Fallen Empire, a new story-driven expansion for Star Wars The Old Republic. Uh, Details about it are sparse beyond uh, that it will hopefully aspire to the high standard that we expect from Bioware storytelling. Um, And it'll evidently comprise about nine chapters of what length, we don't quite know, uh, in total. So... The trailer for it was really cool. I mean, it was, you know, CGI, not in-engine, but it was cool. Um, Oh, and Mir- Yeah,
1: and more content's always good.
0: Yeah, totally. Especially, you know, like the stuff for the the story side, right? I mean, it's all, you know, well to have post-level 60 content, the the, the PvP and Starfighter and whatever else, but uh, it is nice that, you know, they're actually able to also continue the story, because the story is really quite excellent in the game overall. Um, So-
1: not yet another game that I haven't put much time into, but uh, I love the idea of a story-driven MMO. So nice to see that continuing. Yep,
0: yeah, I've got a couple of characters in it. One is a mid, you know, like level 35 consular, and then another one's also a Jedi. Um, but, uh, you know, me and my wife play sometimes. Uh, oh, and Mirror's Edge Catalyst was shown off. Um And from what I can see, it seems to recapture the the rather frenetic pace and action of the first game, uh, with one noticeable improvement being the size of the world. doesn't seem, at least not based on what they showed, that there were any levels or load screens, just a big open city to move through at speed. And from what I gather, the main character, uh, Faith, won't be able to use guns at all this time. She can't even pick them up. Uh, combat in the games entirely about movement, so much so that you know if you chain moves together, uh, the those actions can actually you know even render you temporarily invulnerable to weapons fire. Um, <clears throat> for a first-person action game, that's actually a fairly unique take.
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm having trouble wrapping in my mind around how that's going to work, but if it does, then...
0: Yeah, so, I mean, here's hoping that DICE can nail the mechanics, because, you know, that's certainly... It's not the typical approach you would expect from a... <laughs> 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 yeah. Although, I gather, too, like, to be fair, like, the gun play in the original Mirror's Edge was, was not well implemented. It actually really slowed the game down. <clears throat> so, I mean, I can see, you know, maybe there was, um, yeah, like, there was certainly a, a, maybe a good reason for them to remove it. But, you know, if they can really pull it off, I think it could definitely just be a very interesting alternative take on this type of action game.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, The Microsoft thing was, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't really include Microsoft in the show notes. There wasn't too much there. Although the HoloLens Minecraft thing was really interesting. Um, oh, I heard about that. Yeah. I, I don't think, from what I gather, it doesn't quite look as good in, uh, you know, sort of when it's actually you versus what they showed in their demo. But it does maybe, maybe make a little more <laughs> sense about why they were so willing to shell out big money for the property. (laughs) I know I'm certainly more interested in HoloLens now. I mean, heck, you know, Lego's expensive, but uh, (laughs) one HoloLens and all the Minecraft blocks I can conjure? I could have fun.
1: That's a good way of putting it. Conjure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, what else, right? Yeah, AR is big right now. Uh, (laughs) I think the winners of E3, though... Uh, And by all means, if you disagree, let me know. But I think the big winners were Sony.
1: I think I got to agree with that one.
0: Um, And not just because they announced a Final Fantasy VII remake, although really that's cheating anyways.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Instant win button right there.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, they could have stopped there. The cheering was probably jet engine loud uh, after that. That. After and during the teaser trailer. <laughs> uh, um, but then they also revealed that, you know, The Last Guardian is still alive. I, I gather this has been hotly anticipated uh, by a number of people. Because it's by the people who did Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow
1: of the Colossus.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Evidently a really different take on, you know, games and how they uh, play. Um, <clears throat> and then as if that weren't enough, they snatched Call of Duty. Call of Duty will henceforth be releasing new content first on the PlayStation 4 before bringing it to the Xbox One. Gasp! I know. I mean, it's to my mind, it's just Call of Duty, but that's a huge selling property. So that's a... That's yeah.
1: A, <clears throat> that's about where my mind's at.
0: Yeah. Oh. And then there was also their gorgeous-looking new IP. Have you checked this one out?
1: Oh, 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 oh. oh, that looks beautiful. <laughs> Horizon
0: Zero Dawn by uh, Guerrilla Games. Dutch developers, actually, I believe. Um, which seem to be set on a post-apocalyptic Earth. Um, in which... Oh, hang on a sec. I hear the baby monitor buzzing. Aha Okay, well, if it uh, if she wakes up, I'll have to run. But you know what? It's all good. Anyways, Horizon Zero Dawn, Guerrilla Games, um, seems to be set on a post-apocalyptic Earth in which cave dwelling humans stalk and hunt, and I guess actually also ride um, massive dinosaur sized robots. Uh, And despite that wacky-sounding description, the game sounds um, utterly fascinating, enough that even, you know, an avid non-console gamer like myself is (laughs) toying with the idea of buying a PlayStation 4. Seconded. Yeah. Um, So here's how it's described. Horizon is an open-world adventure RPG. It's set in the far distant future. Uh, The developers were tired of the way games explore post-apocalyptic landscapes in the traditional way. Uh, instead they're looking at what happens after the usual struggle within the cities horizon takes place one or two thousand years after whatever ended the world Uh, so as a result uh, in the same way that we might know about the ruins in egypt or other parts of the world uh, but don't really know what life was like for those people this game is so far in the future after us now that humanity then can't really fathom what life was like you know in our time um, and I mean, the cities have largely been reclaimed by nature or, you know, just faded into ruins. Um, in this new time, humans aren't the dominant species, the robots are. And the game follows the story of Alloy or Aloy, uh, a hunter gatherer. She's the only playable character and can't, much like Geralt, she can't be customized too much to change her look. Um, you know, little bits of personalization here and there, but really they want to tell the story of this one character in particular. And as a hunter-gatherer, she needs to gather resources for crafting. Uh, She can craft explosive and electrical arrows, but these are really hard to get resources to make, so use of them is really only when necessary. Don't waste them. So, uh, I mean, I guess it's based on an iterated version of the Killzone engine. Um, Killzone games always looked good, even if conceptually they were fairly simplistic. Um, But, yeah, just... That trailer, man, that dropped my jaw just to... to It looks
1: absolutely gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I... uh, And that's
1: coming from a guy who usually doesn't pay much attention to graphics and games.
0: (laughs) I know, um, but just, I mean, every so often there's something that just, you know, (laughs) oh man, just completely, yeah...
1: Scratches every itch for me. I love post-apocalyptic settings. I have a soft spot for Archer protagonists a mile wide. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I I like the. Uh, I mean, I usually play the fighter types, but uh, I can appreciate.
1: Oh yeah, um, give me a bow. Give me a bow.
0: <clears throat> yeah, no, that one. That one, I I think I'll be paying fairly close attention to. And my goodness, if they announce a PC port, I am I am so there. <laughs> <sighs> not that i expect that they will but you never know um also yeah it could happen um and we'll see that in a moment here um no man's sky is another one of course that continues to look just awe-inspiring um if you're not following that one it's a procedurally generated universe sized sandbox game that incorporates uh first person ground exploration and combat and space flight sim mechanics um also underwater um that borrow very heavily from Wing Commander. Uh, No Man's Sky, I mean, it came out of nowhere a couple of three years ago, and it dropped a lot of Jaws, my own included. Uh, It really only keeps looking better every time more information comes out about it. And uh, excitingly, it has been confirmed that the game will launch now simultaneously on PC and PS4. Albeit, when is still up in the air. (laughs) <laughs> have you checked that one out
1: I, I haven't I, I haven't checked that one out um, um, I can't talk yet again um, but uh, the flight sim space sim sort of thing isn't quite my genre Fair but enough. um
0: it's it's a neat concept because, like, everything is basically, I mean, with some assists here and there, but everything is basically procedurally generated to the point that even the developers, when they're giving demos, like, they'll page through the universe and they'll select a galaxy and they'll drill down to select a star system and they'll select a planet.
1: Now, that's impressive. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and they'll, you know, they'll say, okay, well, we're going to go here and you fly there. And uh, they have no idea what they're going to find. Half the time, most of the time, you know?
1: Yeah, something procedurally generated on that scale, that's that's jaw-dropping. Because
0: it's (laughs) it's everything. Like, it generates the planet, it generates biomes for the planet. Based on those biomes, it generates creatures. So, you know, like, everything, and and foliage, and and resource distribution, everything is just, (laughs) well, something's (laughs) going to happen. (laughs)
1: <laughs> talk about never playing it the same way twice
0: yeah I, I almost wonder though how that's going to work in a multiplayer context I mean I assume that you know you'd like know where your friends are but you know I mean when you have an entire universe and billions of star systems um, literal billions of star systems uh, <clears throat> you know the this this game could well answer the Fermi paradox where is everybody well they're all up they just can't <laughs> find each other there's just too much space <laughs> Uh, Now, all that said, all that promise uh, discussed, nobody really seems to be saying what No Man's Sky is about. There's, uh, I found one roundup of details, links in the show notes, and this, again, goes into the systems and mechanics present in the game, but apart from the vague notion that there's something significant about the centers of galaxies, maybe, uh, there's very little been said about what, if anything, the story of the game will be. Uh, And then... As if all of that wasn't already cool enough, Sony basically broke the internet by announcing a Kickstarter campaign for Shenmue 3. Now, uh, Shenmue was a much beloved Dreamcast series. I guess there were two games released, from what I understand, and I think they were re-released for Xbox. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. That sounds right. But... Why do I have an ad by? Hmm. I'll look into that. Um. Anyways, they uh, evidently uh, (laughs) a very popular series, Uh, as you might expect. The campaign has already broken a few records. It reached its two million goal, two million dollar goal, in just nine hours. Uh, Good grief! Yeah, has raised about three point five million so far, with twenty, I think, odd days left to go. Uh, Good grief! I know. <clears throat> Will it end up being the most well-funded gaming Kickstarter ever? We'll see in a few weeks.
1: Uh, from those numbers, oh. it wouldn't surprise me at
0: all. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It's the new King's Quest game, which looks rather gorgeous. Yes, um, it does. Has kind of a watercolor aesthetic to it. Uh, it's by the Odd Gentleman, and that's you know uh, that's this is actually Activision. This is not Sony anymore. We're talking about Activision now. Um, <clears throat> I think we already knew that the game was going to be released in chapters, um, but at any rate, the first chapter is called Night, uh, Knight. K N I G H T. To remember, uh, it's releasing, yeah, <laughs> and evidently it's releasing at the end of next month. Uh, And the story of this chapter will be focused on Gwendolyn, the daughter of King Graham, uh, I believe. Uh, Yes. An upcoming fencing tournament that she'll be competing in. Um, But mostly the gameplay will focus on King Graham uh, because, you know, you'll be playing through the stories he's telling her uh, about the challenges he dealt with in his youth. Uh, and then depending on how the player solves various puzzles, this can affect how Gwendolyn approaches the fencing tournament. So will she be uh, courageous, generous, or creative? It's up to how the player chooses to solve puzzles of the chapter, as well as how they interact with NPCs. The decisions aren't necessarily pushed in your face. It's not a matter of, you know, making one or two big decisions, uh, choosing the right quick-time interrupt. Uh, It's just, you know, character development through player choices um, and really about letting, you know, players express themselves and seeing how that impacts outcomes. That said, the mechanics are a little different from uh, what one might expect in a traditional King's Quest game. Um, So, like, you know, the point system, which was common to a lot of Sierra games, is evidently gone uh, rather than rewarding players for solving puzzles The idea is that every choice is valid and should be rewarded equally. Uh, So the replay value comes more from, you know, seeing uh, all the different branches that are possible if, and the different outcomes that are possible if you make different decisions. Um, And evidently there's quite a lot of branching (laughs) possible. (laughs) So uh, to the point even, Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, it feels like a very different take for an adventure game, especially King's Quest in particular. Um, just the fact that there are multiple ways to approach a problem and that and that um, it does affect the way the story plays out. That's not something I typically see from uh, that sort of thing. So that's something I'd be interested to keep an eye on. Um, just the fact that the way a story of the past is told can affect, you know, a present situation in game. That's... I don't know. I'm intrigued. I am very intrigued to see how this plays out.
0: Yeah, it's it should be good. And I mean, I guess it's even to the point where, you know, um, where uh, if you, uh, <laughs> you know, just depending on the uh, uh, on the choices you make, like you may not even encounter certain in-game events. Um, they talk about, uh, in one preview I read, they talk about a bridge troll. You know, that will only be seen if you make a specific series of decisions earlier on in the game. Um, And of course, I mean, King's Quest type games, you expect a lot of humor, a lot of puns. um, Of course. um, Funny references back to previous games. uh, all, all All that good stuff and charm. So, definitely looking forward to picking that one up.
1: Yeah, you and me both.
0: Yes, all right. Oops. Uh, I think this is the last-ish bit. Um, Yeah, so the last one I had mentioned, or had notes on, that I wanted to talk about was uh, Square Enix. Uh, so, separate from their contribution to the Sony conference, uh, which was Final Fantasy, of course, uh, Square also showed off some of their own stuff. I think this was on, actually, the second day of E3.
1: I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine
0: there. (laughs) Anyways, um, the showstopper, as might be expected, was Deus Ex Mankind Divided, the last entry in the Deus Ex series, or the latest entry, sorry, in the Deus Ex series. Um, They showed off a lot of gameplay footage, uh, talked about the improvements they've made over what was in Human Revolution. Um, And because it's E3 and there needs to be some kind of controversy, they also were the ones to get themselves in a lot of hot water. Uh, which is to say they attracted the ire of a mob on Twitter, at least, <laughs> um, for using <laughs> for using the term mechanical apartheid to describe the tone of the game's story, which does indeed focus on segregation and subjugation of augmented individuals by normal humans. Um, I'm assuming, you know, looks French to me, so I'm assuming his name is Gilles Matuba. Uh, the developer who coined the phrase didn't really take kindly to those who opposed the use of the term, uh, and he wrote a very scathing comment on it. Uh, on I think Tumblr, um, Deus X is very Reddit. M- yeah, Reddit, 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 right? I think. Reddit, yes. Uh, Deus Ex is a very mature and thoughtful franchise that wants to hook gamers on essential questions and considerations, power, control, species, science, sociology, singularity, etc. Racism is a dark part of our human nature, and we wanted to treat this subject. It was especially important for me to treat this, so it makes me sad and angry that these people, these ignorant people, just assume that everyone behind this game is ill-spirited, stupid, and more importantly for me, that they are all white, for them what these bloggers and tweeters did to me here is beyond mere insults. He took this very personally. They have degraded me and have literally erased my identity as a black developer and as a black creator that just wanted to share a piece of himself with this game. <clears throat> I wish that they will feel bad about it. I wish that they will have the decency to apologize for their false assumptions and accusations, to apologize to all the people back in Quebec that have been working hard for years to make the game happen. <clears throat> Uh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He kinda flat out calls them spineless. Some swearing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they don't
0: deserve anyone's attention, he concludes. They don't deserve our industry, our games, and the dedication we put into them. They disgust me. <clears throat> so I mean, okay, it's E3. There's always gonna be a little controversy. Um But I think to my mind this really is just illustrative of what's troubling about modern discourse, especially as it is carried out via Twitter and other, form, other forms of social media, which more easily lend themselves to quick statements and soundbites rather than to drawn-out musings. Uh, I mean, yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. apartheid, yeah, it's a loaded term. It references an overtly horrendous racism and segregation that took place in uh, several different African countries. The term has also been used, of course, to describe the situation in present-day Palestine. Palestine, uh, You know, some, some groups and organizations uh, don't shy away from, from terming it as such. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, I thought that, you know, there was kind of this hope uh, that we wanted games to tackle complicated social issues. You know, I seem to recall reading a fair bit about that over the last few months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I just kind of... Shouldn't we give developers maybe a little leeway to explore these topics, to, to abstract them in ways that fit the fiction and lore of the game series that they're using as a vehicle for that kind of social messaging and exploration?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that was exactly my thought when I saw this. I mean, I... Uh, Like you said it is a loaded term and maybe it's not quite the right one to use at this point um, in the marketing and presentation of it but at the same time we have no idea how it's actually going to look in game and I kind of reserve whatever rancor I might have had at the subject until I actually see whether it's treated with respect in game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I know from what little I've seen of the game and the trailers and such like that, like, it definitely does seem that, you know, um, augmented people are being brutalized in the Deus Ex mm-hmm. world. So, <clears throat> maybe it's there. I mean, I don't know. I haven't actually looked up, like, you know, what Jill's Matuba's history is. I don't know, like, I mean, if he grew up in South Africa, like, this could be coming from a very deep and personal part of his history, too. But again, I haven't really looked into his history, so I don't know. Um, but, you know, I mean... <clears throat> uh, I, <laughs> I I do know a number of people who are from South Africa. Um, and, you know, for some of them... Yeah, I know that, a couple myself. Yeah, that is a thing, you know? like, And it's... Uh, if that's maybe... Something that he was drawing upon. Like, I, I certainly can't fault him that. Um, one interesting takeaway I thought was that he's been more active on Twitter this E3 than he has been at any other time ever. He has like a tweet from 2011 on the death of Steve Jobs, and then one from 2012 about like the Canadian federal election, and then like three in 2014 about a couple of different topics. And since June 15th, uh, the last time I counted, nine tweets and several retweets. <laughs> so... <laughs> make it that what you will. Uh, gonna bring this to a close because, I mean, I've got s- other stuff to take care of tonight. But uh, I wanted to make one further note on the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, it actually won't be a straight-up remaster. It'll make some changes to the game's systems and story... Not that there's anything wrong with this. You'd expect that they'd overhaul things like combat and dialogue systems to keep with what the new engine can deliver. I mean, I'm assuming they're using the Luminous engine or whatever they call it. Uh, Equally, it seems that their plans for the story involve fleshing out characters and plot points in the original game that were either left hanging or which felt underdeveloped. Um, Anyone who's played Ultima 5 Lazarus or the Ultima 6 project should be able to relate. But... um, maybe it's only because Final Fantasy is still going strong uh, and because new games in the series are still being produced but it certainly does seem to me to be the case that Sony has had a great deal of success both in remastering and remaking older entries in the Final Fantasy series not just seven but you know like the first six have already I think been uh ported to handheld and mobile platforms I believe the seventh will be either this year or next and while I certainly can't fault EA's desire to pursue new games and new IPs, I, I really do wish they'd take a cue here uh, and try to do something like this with some of the classic titles in their portfolio, above and beyond things like Dungeon Keeper Mobile and Ultima Forever. Uh, <coughs> you know, uh, I'm not even talking about remaking Ultima 6 as a massive AAA epic using the Frostbite engine, although that would be gorgeous and amazing. Um, as I said in the intro, you know, farming out the IP to a talented indie studio to craft a, an open-world isometric game with interactivity dialed way up to the elevens would be uh, an acceptable option. Or, you know, finding a way to to, to do a mobile port uh, of some of the games as they are would be a, a really acceptable option.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I know. I'd get those.
0: Maybe I, maybe I should have been a Final Fantasy fan. I don't know. <laughs> 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 but all right well that's all i got you got anything i
1: that's all i got
0: <laughs> all right well i'm going to uh to to wrap this then um always remember if you'd like to recommend uh we didn't have any shout outs this week um so please if, if there's people you'd like to see a shout out go to send an email to ultimacodex at gmail.com uh, which again, you can suggest topics, comment and criticize the episodes, uh, or volunteer your time. As well, if you haven't, Ultima Dragons on Facebook, Ultima Dragons on Google+, or the UDIC hashtag on Twitter. Uh, by all means, join in the conversations there. And, hey, there's the Patreon. Um, One dollar pledge gets you access to spam, spam, spam episodes the day before they go live on the Ultima Codex. Uh, You'll be helping to maintain and, with sufficient funding, expand the infrastructure of the Codex to better deliver all the things you come looking for there at. Your Ultima Project News, your Ultima Wiki, your Soda Wiki, your Shroud of the Avatar IRC chat, all those good things. Um, Until next time, then... You got a farewell linguistic?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nothing more than until next time.
0: Alrighty. Well, then, until next time, everyone, be virtuous.